Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. Today, I am honored to welcome to the program the Chief Executive Officer of Bill Glass Behind the Walls, Michael Nolan. How are you, Michael? Hey, doing great, Clay. Thanks for having me. You bet. Well, of course, I want to talk with you about the ministry and your outreach for the Lord. But first, I would like for our listeners to have a little background about Bill Glass and also about yourself. Uh, Mr. Glass made quite an impact on the football field, and then he had opportunities to very publicly share his testimony about his Christian faith. Could you tell us about that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, he um, he started, um, I guess, you know, with an impact on, on people with some Sandlot football back whenever he was 16 years old and uh, um, whenever God saved him and he met others, you know, playing football, playing, uh, on, like I said, on Sandlot, and uh, he would take them. Uh, he actually said, I, I I would intimidate him a little bit just to get him to come with me. And he took him to his pastor and said, uh, you know, this, this friend of mine needs to hear the gospel, needs to hear the good news. And he did that over and over and over. And finally, one day his pastor said, Bill, uh, you don't need to keep bringing them to me. You can share the gospel with them yourself. And um, that was what an impact that was because Bill from there, you know, kept playing football, went to Baylor, was an All-American and even when he was an All-American in college, Bill would travel around and speak in churches and at youth events. And then it just continued uh, in his pro career. He was drafted by the Detroit Lions, uh, but went and played a year in Canada first and uh, then came back uh, to the NFL and, and played with the Lions for a few years before uh, moving on to the Cleveland Browns, which is where he spent the bulk of his remaining career, you know, being, I think, four-time Pro Bowl um, and two-time, you know, world champions with the Browns uh, in the 60s. And then he ended up at a Billy Graham crusade, I believe. Is that right? Where he had an opportunity to witness? Yeah, he, uh, multiple different times where I think him and Mr. Graham's path crossed and and Billy had asked him to come and speak. And so he did several of the crusades and he, he's even got fond memories of Franklin as a little boy, but yeah, he, he spoke and several of those things are, um, we still even have and are able to watch those from time to time where, uh, Billy and Bill did crusades together. In fact, I, Billy Graham really encouraged Bill to stay involved with the crusades and potentially even even in a bigger role there, depending upon, you know, uh, Billy Graham's uh, health and things. But eventually he, he was the one that told Bill, he said, look, uh, you're doing great. Continue this, get in the game. And so Bill Glass started doing what he called citywide crusades over 51 years ago. And there was a lot of similarities to what uh, Billy Graham was doing, but they, they were also uh, unique in their own right. And, and then several years into doing Citywide, his mentor said, hey, you know, if you are going to be a fisher of men, um, let me tell you where some of the best fishing holes are in America. 
and those are in prisons and jails and juvenile facilities behind the walls, uh, ministering to the least of these, as he called the inmates, or really anybody that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior. So 48 years ago, Bill and uh, the ministry started going behind the walls, as well as doing citywide crusades in the community. And what about yourself, Michael Nolan? How did you come to lead the ministry, Bill Glass, behind the walls? Well, um, I know that the, the, the quick and easy uh, answer is by God's leading, and it's, it's very true. You know, I was a guy born and raised in Arkansas, and, you know, uh, God saved me at, at a young age and grew up in a great family and a great church in a little town, El Dorado, Arkansas, and uh, went to college about an hour away at Louisiana Tech University and started working in corporate America. Uh, right out of college, General Motors, uh, specifically their financial uh, division. Um, A local church in uh, Michigan called and said, hey, we we want you to join our our staff. My wife and I had been bathing that in prayer, and we accepted that call and joined that church. And then God led to work with a group of churches that was headquartered in the Chicagoland area. And then... um, from there, uh, we started working with churches and nonprofits all over the country and got connected with a ministry called the Operation Andrew Group in Nashville, Tennessee, which also has Billy Graham ties. Um, a group of business leaders and pastors uh, got together in preparation for the 2000 Nashville, Tennessee Billy Graham Crusade. And when the crusade was gone, they said, we want to keep this thing going. We want to keep fellowship and we want to keep having unity in the gospel and go serve our city. And so I was the president of Operation Andrew Group. I was uh, the president of a a ministry consulting group. And I got a call, um, um, actually the first was an email and asked if I would get on a call uh, with a group that was kind of spearheading a search for the next CEO of Bill Glass Behind the Walls. Honestly, the first two calls I had with them, I thought they just wanted a consultant, which is what I was doing. So I was like, um, I'm very interested as my wife and I prayed and my my three grown daughters, we all prayed together about God's leading in this and said, well, this is a ministry that um, we know that we need to be a part of. We need to be connected to. And so we just kept going and and kept talking and eventually met with some of the great people at Bill Glass Behind the Walls, and they were bathing it in prayer, and we were too. They asked and extended for me to join the ministry, uh, to be the lead servant as the CEO, and we just really knew God's hand was in it all the way. So that's that's how he led us here. Well, that's an inspirational story, and uh, most testimonies like that always are. It's, it's a common theme that uh, it was never the individual's idea as much as it was God's purpose. So that's good to know. Uh, What is your mission and vision there at the ministry, Bill Glass, behind the walls? Yeah. Oh, that's great. The the staff, the team, the teammates out in the field, those all around the country and even the world that have been a part of it for 48 years embrace this full mission, and that is assisting churches to equip and ignite believers to share their faith in Jesus Christ with the least of these. And we, we know that the least of these are any individuals that do not know Jesus as their Savior. So, But we also know this, Clay, it, that statistically, 
and it stayed pretty steady, that 95% of believers do not share their faith in Jesus Christ with others. They don't share their faith in Christ with friends, coworkers, neighbors, or even a stranger. And it's not that churches aren't doing a good job and pastors aren't doing a good job of evangelism training. They're sharing how to share your faith. It's people need to get very comfortable with it. So we just come alongside the local church and assist what they're already doing to strengthen um, that area, uh, that Ephesians 4 area about God gave all of these things. And one of them is the evangelist to help not only share the good news, but also prepare others to do the same. And quite frankly, that's exactly what Bill Glass did is he kept taking all these people so they could hear the good news. And then his pastor said, Bill, you can do this too. And uh, once Bill knew that he could share it and he was comfortable in sharing it, um, then he started sharing the gospel and then he started teaching others. This is okay. It's, it, here's, it's really, once you get comfortable, even with the track that we train people on, once they're comfortable with it, they use it without ever looking at the track. It's real simple. God loves you. Everybody has a problem. God has a solution. And it's all backed with scriptures. And we read those things through. But, but, but that's it. That's our mission. Our vision is if we feel that, um, and we're going to radically change and see revival, uh, not just in the United States of America, but all over the world as we, we train and others start sharing their faith with the least of these. If we could take that 95% that don't and turn it into 5% that don't. And I, I would rather it be 100% do and 0% don't. But if we could flip that number, just imagine, you know, the good news that would be spread and the people that would hear and respond. And not only that, the growth in the believer would be exponential. That is awesome. And that word you use, revival, is a theme. In fact, I was just talking with Dr. Tom Phillips, who's currently the vice president there at Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and he's all about revival and believes that it really is imminent uh, here in America. I hope that is true. I pray that is true. Now, behind the walls is an area, now speaking about prisons uh, and detention facilities, that there's a lot of restrictions right now with the pandemic from this year that have to affect your ministry. How has your organization been impacted by that? And and how have you dealt with the unusual restrictions of 2020? I know that everyone's been affected, um, you know, by uh, a very unique year. um, And we're we're no exception to that. Um, My first week with the ministry was the week of March 16th. And we were supposed to be behind the walls in Huntsville, Texas that week. And and before I ever arrived, I got a call that said it was canceled. And and we hadn't been behind the walls of prison since then. You know, unusual, uh, especially to to come and join a ministry and and right away be shut down. But our staff, we were able to rally and get together and say, this didn't surprise God. God's in control. And there must be a lot of things that he wants us to do right now. And we just need to focus and figure out what that is. So the team was, you know, was telling me over and over, when we're running 50, 60 events a year, it's nonstop around here. And they just, um, they just don't have time to do certain things that they've been wanting to do. So Clay, we, we started making a list. What, what do we want to do that we normally can't do? And we started addressing those. And 
some of the things were internal infrastructure, um, such a great foundation. We just wanted to strengthen, you know, um, our walls and, and uh, strengthen things that we, uh, that would allow us to do more ministry, more efficiently, more effectively. So we started working on those things. We, uh, we did strategic planning uh, as a team and talked about what we must do this year, what we, what we must do next year. And then we really faced the reality that back in May to June, that we may not get back behind the walls in all of 2020. And so we just started talking and praying and, you know, how can we fulfill our mission? The same one, um, if we don't go behind the walls. Well, we came up with what we affectionately refer to now as beyond the walls. We said, look, we, we can still assist churches. We can still do evangelism training. We call it equip and ignite training, E&I. We can still do evangelism training, and we can still help and assist uh, believers to share their faith with others. Um, and if we can't go behind the walls, can we go beyond the walls? And the answer to that has been yes. We have done staff appreciations at, for correctional officers and their staff at, at, at jails, prisons, and juvenile facilities. We have done virtual events. We have done videos that get circulated on some of their closed-circuit TV systems. Um, we've also worked with local churches where we put on our high impact behind the walls type of show, you might say, with platform guests. We still do evangelism training. And then um, we invite people in the community to come and watch this show. And um, they know what they're coming to. They know they're coming to a church, to a parking lot. Um, they know that they're coming, that there's a part of it that's a religious service. But um, one particular case, we, we had a morning church service then we had a lunch, then we had uh, a little bit of music and then a biker stunt show. And then the people that had done evangelism training were out there and the, the, the biker stunt show guy um, got up and talked for a little bit, shared his testimony and said, these people came and get, they've given of their time and of their resources to come just to share with you what God has done in my life that I just shared. And we were able to have um, many conversations, but 16 people gave their life to Christ that day. Um, uh, five of those committed to baptism uh, in that church the next week. And so it's just a great day. And we're doing things like that around. With all that said, uh, your question specifically, when we do events behind the walls, we have local teams all over the country and they help raise money to pay for those events and also for the team and all the work that's done here at the National Support Center. So not having events, we, we not uh, only not have the expenses associated, but we also don't get the revenue. So without question, we've taken a little hit on event uh, income and and raising support for our ministry because of the lack of events. But, you know, God, as he always is, has been faithful. We got such faithful supporters. In fact, we're, we're running a little year-end campaign called Fill the Gap, and it's to fill just a, a, short, a small shortfall of the gap of what we would have in 2020. But more importantly, Clay, it's, it's building up revenue so we can grow in 2021. Uh, because we already have 39 events on the books and more, uh, Lord willing, will be added in the next couple of months. 
Well, that was going to be my next question about the uh, goals for your next year. And uh, even beyond that, what sort of long range plans do you have? Appreciate you asking that. I mean, for our first quarter, we we may um, get back behind the walls in January, February, March. And man, we're praying for that. And and we're trusting that if, if that's God's will, that we're, we're ready. Um, we're ready to go. We got teammates uh, that are ready to be mobilized all around the country. You know, it definitely takes some planning time. Um, and and it, it, there's a little bit of prep work that has to go into each event. But, but right now, we're thinking January and February, March will be more dedicated to doing what we call the behind the beyond the walls ministry with churches and communities all around the country. And then um, we have starting in April, you know, events on the books to go back behind the walls in prisons, you know, a, a full slate next year. I, you know, I think Clay, one thing we've really seen is that we have a very important and critical mission and going behind the walls to love on the inmates and share the gospel with them is so important. But one of our chaplains, whenever we wanted to do a staff appreciation, which we didn't, we didn't raise money for it. We just said, we want to go out and say thank you because we know that they're dealing with it on the inside and then they're coming out and dealing with it on the outside. And we just felt like that was something that we could do um, to show them our thanks and our gratitude. And one of the chaplains told us, they said, you know, most ministries just walk by the one uniform just to get to the prison uniform on the inside and stopping to say thank you to the uniform that is the correctional officer's and the staff is just so important. I'll tell you that because I think going forward that we are going to ingrain into every one of our events going forward some type of appreciation that we are able to show to those staffs to love on them and make sure that uh, they see and hear the gospel as well, and then still do our evangelism training, go behind, behind the walls. And so I see that ongoing, not just in 2021, but extending beyond that. One thing that's a real hot button out there, and, and most listeners may or may not understand the word recidivism, when, when prisoners get out, both the, the system as far as the correctional officers, the wardens, um, society wants full rehabilitation and not to go back to jail again. And, you know, I think one of the ways that we can truly help that is, is when they hear the gospel and their lives changed. And then we partner with other ministries that do discipleship and local churches do that on an ongoing basis. The chaplains inside the facilities do a great job. When they get out, there's ministries that help assimilate them back into society. And a step that I think a lot of that we could really improve upon in our society would be assimilating them back into the local church. And I really think that will help with recidivism. It will help with strengthening the local church to know how to minister to others that they encounter in their own communities that have been incarcerated or been family members of those that are incarcerated. So without question, there is no shortfall of work to be done uh, in this mission area. It is a big, overwhelming, in fact, uh, task, but it's one that uh, Jesus called out specifically multiple times for us to be about. And so appreciate that Bill Glass Behind the Walls is about that mission and that you are 
faithfully accomplishing that. And it's good that you're working with a lot of churches. It's a big old country. It's a big state down there in Texas where you guys are. So there's more area to be covered than there are people to cover if it were only you all. So I'm sure there's a lot of synergy between you and other ministries and churches that allow that mission to continue. Uh, For those who are interested in helping fill the gap that you talked about, what what are the best ways to engage with your ministry, Bill Glass Behind the Walls? Well, thank you for asking that. There are so many ways, um, you know, uh, sign up, um, go to our social media, you know, Behind the Walls. Uh, You can go to our website, behindthewalls.com. Become one of our prayer warriors. What's really big is teammates. We need more churches and more local teams. You just said it. Um, The only thing holding us back from exponential growth is having the local teams and the teammates in various states. Right now, Clay, we're in we're in three regions, about to be four. Um, we've been in all of the United States, and and I'm hoping that we can we can have a strong presence in every region of the United States, not just these four. But the reason that we're not in some of them is because we need to build local teams. We need to train and get teammates ready. So people that say, I want to go to prison um, in a good way. I want to go to prison with your ministry. And um, I want to be a part of this evangel- evangelism training, going behind the walls and even helping go beyond the walls. Um, if they want to sign up to be a teammate, go to our website, read up on it, pray up on it click uh, on the necessary uh, box to say, let me sign my name up and, and then they'll get communication coming that way. Keeping up with us on social media, there's ways to give of your time, give of your resources that God's entrusted you to. And uh, there's ways to support the ministry. And yes, there's so many good ministries out there and we get to partner with many of them, many local churches that uh, just have a heart for prison ministry. It's not for everyone. But going on one of these, you know, one day events, one of these big events that, that Bill Glass Pine the Walls has been putting on for 48 years is one of the quickest ways to find out if this is a ministry that God's calling you to. And so I would invite pastors and anyone to sign up and go on, on one and to see if this is something that God wants you uh, to be a part of. But those are all great ways uh, to engage and to support. And if there's no local team in their particular state, they can send us an email and say, hey, where's the nearest local team? Where's the next event? We keep a calendar of event up on our website. Um, and it's it's updated frequently. And so just start the conversation would be great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michael Nolan, CEO of Bill Glass Behind the Walls. I'm glad we had a chance to speak today and uh, hope that listeners will be encouraged by what they've learned about your ministry and uh, also uh, give our best to Mr. Glass. Uh, He's 85 now, is that right? He is 85. And when I I told him we were going to do this, he he just said to send his greetings to everyone um, and how much he he thanked you for remembering and thinking of our ministry. And uh, that's a blessing to him. Well, thank you. And God bless you. You too. Now it's time for our special historical segment, featuring a practical example of how core principles are applied. President Ronald Reagan led the United States through the decade of the 1980s. He had two main objectives, which he achieved marvelously. 
First was to reduce the tax burden on citizens, and second was to defeat Soviet communism. Reagan loved liberty, and he observed, quote, We are at war with the most dangerous enemy that has ever faced mankind. And it has been said, if we lose that war, and in so doing lose this way of freedom of ours, history will record with the greatest astonishment that those who had the most to lose did the least to prevent its happening. If we lose freedom here in America, there is no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth, unquote. Just this month, November 2020, Jim Caviezel echoed and amplified that sentiment, which is more directly affecting America than ever, even though the Soviet Union itself crumbled under the weight of its own wickedness, as Reagan predicted it would. Caviezel said, quote, There's no argument over the choice between peace and war, but there's only one guaranteed way you can have peace, and you can have it in the next second. Surrender. Admittedly, there's a risk in any course we follow other than this, but every lesson in history tells us that the greater risk lies in appeasement, and this is the specter our well-meaning Christian liberal friends refuse to face, that their policy of accommodation is appeasement, and it gives us no choice between peace and war, only between fight and surrender. If we continue to accommodate, continue to back and retreat, eventually we will have to face the final demand, the final ultimatum. And what then? When Satan has told the people of this world he knows what our answer is going to be, he's told them, We're retreating under the pressure of his cold war, and someday, when the time is right to deliver his final ultimatum, our surrender will be voluntary. Because you see, by then, we will have been so weakened from within, spiritually, morally, economically. He believes this because from our side, he's heard voices pleading for peace at any price. Or, better red than dead. Or, as one commentator put it, he'd rather live on his knees than die on his feet. And therein lies the road to war, because those voices don't speak for the rest of us. Do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord refuse to have fired the shot heard around the world? The martyrs of history were not fools, and our beloved dead who gave their lives to stop the Nazis did not die in vain. Where then lies the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all, that you and I have the courage to tell our enemies there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which evil must not advance. In the words of Reagan, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. End quote. Be prepared to defend liberty. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July. 
L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find her music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.